Good morning, everyone. So glad to see you this morning, or most of you. How many of you know this is a good day? If you haven't made up your mind yet about what day it's going to be, how about just go with the Bible? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Amen. I will rejoice. I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what's going on around the world, but I will rejoice in the Lord. Well, why can't we be so boastful in, in the Lord? Because we already, we already know we've got the victory. Amen. We're not on our way to get a victory. How many of you know we've already been given the victory? Isn't that right? How many of you know you're not on your way to get blessed? You're already blessed. Amen. The Bible has already made it very clear. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Praise God. If that's not good enough, we've also been blessed with all of Abraham's blessings. Praise the Lord. Is that good news? How many of you know you're not on your way trying to get healed? You're not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed because the word says, by whose stripes you were healed. Amen. How many of you know, again, that's really good news. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning I got a message that I believe, you know, it kind of came right from here because uh, just walking around the church here a while ago. Uh, and how many of you know praying in tongues is just so helpful, right? When you don't know what to pray, don't know what to say, the Holy Ghost is our helper. Amen. So as I'm doing that, I hear these words coming out of me, ears to hear, ears to hear. And that should not be strange to us because um, as we will see uh, how much of God you experience in your life really has everything to do with number one what you hear and how you hear it amen whatever you experience of God in your life has got everything to do with what you hear and then number two with how do you hear it right so what you hear of course um, has a lot to do with what you Incline your ear unto Proverbs chapter 4 says, My son, that would include my daughter as well, of course. My son, attend unto my word. Incline your ear. Now, how many of you know something? You have to incline your ear to his sayings, right? Because if you don't do that, it's very easy to get distracted and begin to listen to, you know, ABC, BBC, CBC. <laughs> And then you get a real warped picture of who you are. You get a real warped picture of what is about to happen, praise the Lord. You get a real warped picture of what you're able to accomplish. Can you say amen? Right? But once you incline your ears unto his saying and you don't let them depart from your mouth or from your heart, then what's going to happen is these words, they are not only life to you, but they will be health to all your flesh. Health to all your flesh. And I can just, you know, boast in the Lord. That's okay. Right? Boast in the Lord that over all these years we've enjoyed good health. Amen. And it's got nothing to do with what we can't come up with or can muster up. It's because of the word. We incline our ears 
to his saying. So whatever you experience, whatever of God you experience in life's got everything to do with number one, with what you hear and how you hear it. How you hear it's got to do with how you measure things. Amen. So matter of fact, we're going to go to the parable of, of the sower and it will come out in one of the scriptures, at least in Mark chapter four, uh, it will tell us, you know, take heed to what you hear, because with what measure you measure it, that's how it's going to be measured. The King James says against you, but really it means towards you. It's, you know, with whatever measure. Whichever way that you measure, that's how it's going to be measured towards you. Which would mean if you measure the word in spoonfuls, it's going to come back to you in spoonfuls. On the other hand, if you begin to measure it in truck loads and train loads and plane loads, it's going to come back towards you in truck loads and train loads and in plane loads. Amen. So sometimes you got to dare to think a little bit, dare to imagine, because again, God is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above we all ask or think. Amen. So wouldn't it be good for us to expand our asking and our thinking? Amen. And so that's, that's the reason I believe that the Lord uh, wants us to have ears to hear, because Again, it's got everything to do with what you will experience in your life about God. And I don't know about you, but I want to experience it all. I don't want to ever look back at the end of my life and say, you know what? I, I could have done a little bit more here. I could have ex experienced a little bit more here or experienced a little bit more there. No, no, no. I want, <laughs> I want to have the abundant life. How about you? Yeah. Amen. So, which brings me, actually, let me just give you a, a quick, actually, let's, be bring, let's go to the scriptures in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, my, my thing is lagging a little bit. Not lacking, lagging, it's a little bit slow. But this is what it tells us here uh, about Jesus. He spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the waysides, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they, the seeds, had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness or no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Now, how many of you would like to be that type of soil? Right? Now, how many of you know it doesn't just come? You're, you're not born that way. You're not even born again that way. You have, to make a, you have to make a quality decision to be that type of ground, right? Because you could be born again and on your way to heaven and have 26 translations of the Bible <laughs> and listen to all the messages on YouTube that you can, but you still have to make a quality decision for yourself. I'm going to have ears to hear. With other words, I'm going to not just hear it, but I'm going to hear it with a quality that I'm going to act on it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I mean, you know, being a doer of the word is really vital 
in everything that happens within our Christianity. I remember, you know, this is many years ago now, uh, we went to what was, what was a camp meeting. We went to a camp meeting and, uh, you know, we had to drive 4,000 miles. Is that right about? Yeah, about 4,000 miles back and forth. Long trip. And, uh, but, you know, it was so worth it. It was so worth it because we saw the power of God in demonstration, in manifestation. We saw the healings. We saw the miracles. We saw the supernatural, the gifts of the Spirit. It was just awesome. It was so powerful. You know, it seemed like you could cut out the anointing and put it in your back pocket and walk home with it. That's what I was trying to do, actually. <laughs> I was trying to take that home with me. But how many of you know you can't just take an experience home with you? I found out really quick as we're, you know, going home, that sense, you know, that anointing, it seemed to uh, weighed a little bit. It seemed to dissipate a little bit. And I almost panicked. I thought, <laughs> I want to take that with me. How do I take that with me, Lord? And I heard on the inside of me, be doers of the word and, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So I learned on that trip, really, you know, to be a doer of the word, making up my mind. You know, whatever I've heard there, I'm going to do it. Amen. Because you can't take a feeling home, can't take an experience home. You can't take any of that home, but you can take home the word. Right. And that's what's anointed. Amen. That's the power of God that brings salvation, that brings healing, that brings restoration to your family, that brings whatever you need it to, to bring to you. So I remember coming home. And, uh, you know, they had heard that I had gone to this camp meeting with the prophet. <laughs> and so they were excited. You know, we had a brand new church at the time. This is back in 19, uh, 1981. We, had, we, I, I was, we were part of starting a brand new church. We were uh, present worship leaders at that time. And so my pastor asked me, can you testify? Sure, I can testify. And everybody was sitting on the edge of their chair. Just like you are. <laughs> Everybody was sitting on the edge of their chair because they wanted to. You know, I mean, they didn't say it, but you could just feel it, right? You could just feel it. Oh, what did the prophet say? Did he call you out? Did he lay hands on you? Did you fall under the power? Were you in heaven for three days and three nights? <laughs> <laughs> and did Jesus talk to you? Did he appear to you and talk to you? That's what they wanted to hear. And so I began with my testimony, finishing off by saying, you know what I really learned is to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And you know the excitement that was in that place? It was sky high. It went way down in the basement real quick. You know, I mean, as excited as they were, that's how depressed they seemed to be. That's it. That's all you got out of, of driving 4,000 miles. As a matter of fact, one person told me as, he, you know, as I'm sitting in his car, he said, I could have told you that. That's in James chapter 1, 22. But how many of you know there's a difference between someone telling you and the Lord telling you? Amen. So I began to make some quality changes because I'm a doer of what I've heard. And that changed a lot in me. Amen. But it all begins with what you hear. With what you hear, you have to decide in yourself, I'm going to be a doer of what I've heard. 
Amen. Because that's really where the blessing is. Then Jesus said, who has ears, let him hear. Amen. Ears to hear. And the disciples came unto him and said unto him, why do you speak in parables? And he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. Now how many of you are a privileged people? Right? Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. To the outsider, it's not. Right? When they read the word or when they hear the word, it's a mystery to them. They have no idea. You know, they try to figure it out. But they have really no idea of what God is about, what he is talking about. But you do. But you do. That's the reason why Jesus really, he took a, a spiritual truth or one of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he simplified it by giving you a natural, by giving us a natural example. Amen. Isn't that interesting? Jesus simplified truth. He did not complicate spiritual truth. He did not complicate natural truth by spiritualizing it. How many of you have ever come in contact with someone who spiritualizes everything? Right? They make it more complicated because it makes them more of an interesting person, so they think. <laughs> right? They take something real simple and they spiritualize it. They take something natural and spiritualize it. They see symbols in everything. I don't. <laughs> I don't get anything. You, you know, I remember driving. We were driving with someone in the back seat. And uh, this lady said, I see Jesus. I thought, whoo, the rapture is here. <laughs> <laughs> But what she meant to say, I see Jesus in, in, in those clouds. I didn't see anything. <laughs> so she pointed it out. Well, there's his head. There's his hair. And I'm looking and I'm looking. I just didn't see it. And, you know, so maybe I'm not gifted that way like some people are. But I, th I just want to be in Jesus' company that you take a spiritual truth and you simplify it. So that you can act on it. Right? That's what Jesus did with a spirit of truth. He could come up with some real lofty words. Yea, the kingdom of God is like this. It's, it's, you know, it's, it has to do with the laws of Genesis, <laughs> of sowing and reaping whatever you sow, you shall reap. Now, you understand that, but the outside people probably wouldn't, would not really get that. So he didn't do that. He talks, about, he talks about a sower and the different types of soil that are out there. Right, And then he left it with them. If they wanted to know more about it, they could ask him questions, just like the disciples did. If they didn't ask him, he wouldn't bother. Isn't that interesting, too? So if you want to know something, then you're going to have to ask him, what does this mean, Lord? What does this mean? Because how many of you have ever read something and you wonder what it meant? You know, what, you know what many people do, what I've done myself, is you just throw it out. Thinking, well, that's, that's nothing. You know, you just throw it out. I remember that's what I did many times, praying in the spirit, right? I would pick up things that I thought, that's just too far-fetched, right? Everything we're doing now, really, I, could, I can honestly say it's because we prayed that out back in the early 80s. Amen. We, I, we pray that out in the early 80s, just praying in tongues, and we saw ourselves do things that we're doing now. But back then, it just seemed so far-fetched, I threw it away. 
I threw it away. I remember when I'm a brand new believer, a brand new Christian. I remember walking in this new charismatic, well, new to me, let me put it that way. It was not that old, actually, a couple of years old, but it was really moving, was really blooming, and the pastor was just amazing. I remember I walked in the back of the building, I opened the door, I came a little bit late, just like this gentleman over here. <laughs> came in a little bit late, <laughs> and... Um, uh, you know, and for whatever reason, our eyes met. The pastor was standing up on the platform. He was making some announcements, and our eyes met. The minute our eyes met, I knew inside of me, I'm going to be working with this man. But I thought, well, everybody wants that. So I threw that away. I threw it away. I mean, thank God it still happened, but I threw that away because I'm thinking, well, that's not me. That's for someone else. I mean, everybody else is probably thinking the same thing. Now, how many of you can say, I've, th I've thrown some things away, right? That maybe it's time for you to pick that back up again and believe God. Amen. Believe God. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto them it is not given. He said in verse 12, for whoever has, has what? The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. How do you get that? By having ears to hear. You can pick up the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And when you get that, this is what's going to happen. For whosoever have to him, for whosoever has to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not from him shall be taken away even that which he has. Or one translation said, says even what he thinks he has. So wouldn't it be good to have ears to hear so you know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven? Because when you have that, then more will be given to you. Let me give you a real quick example here. You remember, uh, you remember the widow woman, you know, with the prophet Elisha? Her husband had just passed away. This is in 2 Kings, I believe it's chapter 4. It will tell you the story about this, this widow woman. Her husband had passed away. She went to the prophet and she said to the prophet, My husband, your servant, is dead. And now the creditors have come, and they're going to take away my two sons, my two kids. Back then, that's how you paid off your credit card. If you couldn't pay it off, you had to sell your kids. So that's what they did. Oh, someone says, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> but, but back then, that's what you did. If you couldn't pay off your MasterCard, you had to trade in your kids and pay off your debt that way. So she went to the prophet, and he said... She basically said, you know what, it's your responsibility because he's your servant and my husband and he's dead. Now notice what the prophet said. He said to her, what do you got at home? Isn't that good to know? God will never ask something from you that you don't have. Amen. As a matter of fact, it's probably much closer home than you think. Amen. Some people think, well, if I were just in a different country. With someone else, doing something else, everything would be better. Probably not, because we still got you. <laughs> so, so that's not really where the answer is. That's not really where the answer is. The answer is usually much closer to home than you think. So he asked the question, what have you got at home? Now keep in mind, this woman does not know the whole story. You know the story. 
and you already know the outcome of the story, but place yourself in her shoes. She did not know the whole story and did not have the whole picture. She heard it in bits and pieces. So what do you got at home? Well, uh, just a bottle of oil, just some oil. That's what I got at home. Okay, the prophet said, what you're going to do is you're going to go and get some vessels. Make sure you just don't get a few. So she got her kids involved. She said, go to everywhere you can go. Go to your uncles and aunts, to your relatives. Go everywhere around this area. Go get as many pots and pans and vessels that you can muster up. Now, I'm so glad that she didn't have the attitude of, well, you know what, that's kind of a stupid request. You know, get as many vessels as you can, get as many pots and pans as you can. I feel, I feel embarrassed about asking for pots and pans. You know, let's just use what we got and maybe from the neighbor one or two, you know, because I don't want to put anybody out. You know, I don't want to look stupid by asking someone else for pots and pans. I'm so glad that she did not have that attitude. She heard it. In a large measure. She went out and got as many pots and pans and vessels that she could get a hold on, hold off. Wow. Right? So she brought them. And then the prophet said, okay, go pour out in those vessels. And she did. And when the vessels were full, then the miracle stopped. Right? She kept pouring with a little bit of oil that she had. She kept pouring. It just didn't run out. She kept pouring until... The vessels were full. Now, can you see from that example? And then let me finish the story. Then God, then the prophet said to her, okay, sell what you have, pay off your debt, and live off the rest for the rest of your life. That's the God kind of prosperity, isn't it? Aren't you glad that she had ears to hear, that she measured it to a place that she was able to not only pay off her debt, but also live off the rest, you know, for all of her life. Her and her kids were able to live off that for the rest of her life. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good. Amen. I think that's, that's pretty amazing. I'm so glad that she listened. She took it to heart. She had ears to hear. Amen. All right, so the, how, about, how about this one? I'm just thinking about Peter. You remember Peter? You know, he, he loaned Jesus his boat. Jesus asked for, can I use your boat? Because it's easier for him to preach, you know, from the, show, from, the, from the lake itself, right? Because his words would be carried by the waves, you know, by the water itself. That's how he, he used sound equipment. <laughs> he used the boat. And that's how he was able to preach to all these people standing on the shore. And, um, you know, so after Jesus is done, then he wanted to bless Peter. He said, okay, Peter, uh, you know, why don't you throw out the net or throw out the nets, plural. Throw out the nets, you know, on the, this side of the boat and, uh, you know, you're going to get some fish. Now, this is what Peter said. He's, I'm paraphrasing it for you a little bit here. That's okay, isn't it? <laughs> He's, you know, basically, this is what Peter said. You know what, Jesus? You're a preacher. You're good at what you're doing. I'm a fisherman. I'm good at what I'm doing. We've been fishing all night long. We didn't catch anything. You know, but because I want to please you, I'm going to throw out a net. Singular. Just to, you know, just to make it happen. Just to do something 
Well, you know the story, the net broke. It's not Jesus' fault that his net broke. He told him, throw out the nets. Right? Plural. Not just one net, throw out the nets. And the one net broke. So he had to get help from everybody else, which is okay. It's called networking. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so <laughs> I hear groans. I thought it was a good one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so he gets help from, from, from the other people and, you know, gets, gets a whole, whole boat sinking load of fish. Praise the Lord. So, but if he would have listened, then he would have probably gotten a whole lot more. It's how you think, right? It's how you hear and how you act on it. Praise the Lord. Just to give you another story, this got to do with my, with my wife. She, you know, because we preached this just the other day as well in another church, because I believe it's a message for the church. <laughs> Amen. And she said, it's good. She said, I asked her, you know, did you think, it, what did you think of it? She said, it's good. But there's a part missing. <laughs> she said, there's a part missing. So Ingrid just asked me this morning, did you get that part? I think I did. I think I did. I can make it somewhat personal here and uh, just tell you, you know, we had a gentleman coming. Oh, this is back in 2010, I believe, or two, 2010. And he was just really good. I mean, he had been working with Fortune 500 companies. And he got born again shortly after that. And he wanted to take what he had learned to the churches and help churches. And uh, he found out that everything that he knew about business really was in, in the Bible already. But many pastors didn't, didn't know about it. So he came uh, to our church and he you know, gave, us, gave me personally some really good advice. One of the things that, that happened was that I asked him to come into one of our board meetings. And I asked him, you know, would you mind coming to one of our board meetings and tell me uh, what needs to happen? Critique me oh so gently, please. <laughs> but, you know, tell me, you know, what is, what is there that I could do, that I need to do uh, what I'm doing all right, what I need to do better, what is wrong. Just tell me. Just be really honest with me. So he did. And one of the things that came up, you know, because he had been teaching that whole morning about church growth. And uh, my dad, who's moved to heaven in the meantime, so we can talk about this. <laughs> my dad was the first one who spoke in that meeting. I didn't even have a chance to say welcome. I didn't have a chance to pray. He spoke up immediately. I just come back from Mexico. <laughs> and he said, looks like we got to do something about our church growth, he said. So I got a little defensive. You know what it's like when somebody tells you something that you think you've been doing a good job at. I said, you know what? I said, and I, everybody's sitting there, the board members and uh, this gentleman as well. So I, I got really defensive and I said, you know what? Every, <laughs> everything I do, every, everything I do, everything I do is about growth. If it's not grown, I throw it away. If it's grown, I do my best to make it better. So everything I do is about growth. And how many of you know when you're defensive, you start digging your hole, right? <laughs> so I'm digging my hole, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper till I thought, you know what, I'll just shut up. <laughs> because I'm not helping myself, and everybody's just letting 
dig my own grave. Nobody's helping me except this gentleman. He asked me this question. He said, have you ever put a number on it? Oh. And when he said that, I mean, my eyes opened up because that's, that's, that's a term that I've used in the past. I didn't use number, but when I, you know, when we, when I was soccer coach, that's one of the things I always did. I, I told the kids, put a name on it, right? Put a name on it because for different reasons, when you put a name on it, first of all, it's good for team spirit. You know, you get to know each other's names. Plus, it helps you, it helps the kids, you know, follow through with what they've done. You know, uh, even if it's wrong, even if it's supposed to go to Peter and it winds up with Jack, right? And they, they, and they yell out Peter and it winds up with Jack. It's okay. We, we didn't make a big deal about it because next time it will go to Peter, right? But put a name on the ball. When you pass the ball, put a name on it. So when he said put a number on it, it really witnessed with me. And I had to be really honest. I said, you know what? Everything I do, yes, I do put a number on it. But that one thing, to be really honest, church growth, I've never put a number on it. I said I do like every other pastor that I know at least. Uh, you know, as long as more people coming in through the front door as leaving the back, we're okay. <laughs> that's kind of what I said. He said, well, yeah, that's true. That's how most pastors do judge it. But he said, wouldn't it be helpful for you to put a number on it? I said, let's put a number on it. So we had a team. Right? We had a team and they put a number. They asked questions. They asked all kinds of questions that I, to be really honest, never wanted to ask. You know, I'm not going to get into that. That's not for this morning. But they asked a lot of questions. And we found out a bunch of stuff. Did you know that? We found a bunch of stuff. We found out that one of the reasons some people did not want to come or want to come back is because of our front entrance. They said, it looks cultish. What? <laughs> I, got all, I got all in a, uh, in a fuss about that, right? What? Our front end looks cultish. It looks like we are a cult. We're not going to have that. <laughs> so uh, I brought it to the, to, to the congregation. See, that's the nice thing, right? If you put a team on it, you come up with some facts. And I explained to the church, some people think that we're a cult because of our entrance. Do we want that? No, we don't want that. <laughs> so are you willing to make some changes? Yes, we're going to make some changes. Are you willing to put some money into it? Yeah, we're willing to put some money into that. What I thought was going to be like thirty-five, forty thousand dollars $40,000 turned out into, I think it was about $496,000. But it was all paid cash. Right, we did take out a loan just in case. We did, I believe, use it one time, but really, that was only just for one time for a big amount that we needed to pay. But it all goes back, you know, to put a number on it. Put a number on it, right? Put a number on it. Here, you know, act on what you've heard. Uh, there, was, there were things inside of me I didn't want to do that. I didn't really want to ask some of those questions just in case it reflects bad on me. Right? Those things happen. So if you're dealing with the word, now let me tell you the outcome. The outcome was, I mean, we had growth because of that. People had more confidence. Right? People had more confidence in bringing people in. Praise the Lord. So everything that you do has got to be with a purpose and, and with a reason. So when you hear the word, listen to it on purpose. Like don't just read the word for yourself. Make it, make it, give it a sound. 
Speak it to yourself because what you hear, you believe you more than anybody else. Amen. You believe you more than anybody else. So when you begin to say what God says, when you begin to read the word to yourself, faith cometh. Faith does not come by reading. Knowledge comes by reading. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Would you like to add anything to this, babe? All right. So for whosoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not from him shall be taken away even that which he has. Therefore I speak to them, not us, but to them in parables, because they seeing see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, another reason why I spoke in parables. By hearing you shall hear and not understand. And seeing you shall see and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed, gross, or just, you know, hard and dull. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, should understand with their heart. They should be converted, and I should heal them. See, even healing is connected to hearing. Amen. We just quoted Proverbs chapter 4, 20 through 22 to you. But how many of you know that in the ministry of Jesus, Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, I believe it is, it, it tells us very clearly the people came to Jesus to hear and be healed. The same thing you find in Luke chapter 6 and verse 17. The people came to Jesus to hear and be healed. They didn't just come to be healed. They came to hear as well. Now, a lot of people, they want to skip the hearing part and go right to the healing part, but it doesn't work that way. Amen. Let me ask you this question. What is the number one command? Now, if you have any Christian background, whether it's Protestant or Catholic, you would probably say, uh, you would probably say, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the first command. But when they asked Jesus that question. He answered it this way. He said, the first commandment is hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. Amen. You know why? Because once you have heard from God, then you know who he is, what he is like. You can't help but love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. Amen. Once you've heard him, then you know what he is like. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Amen. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them. And to hear the things which you hear, and have not heard them. Hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received by the wayside. Well, let's talk about this person just for a moment. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and notice what it says, and understands it not, does not understand it. The word understand is a real um, interesting word. Because it literally means to put together. 
In our modern day English, we would say something like, connect the dots. Amen. Now, did you know that's where people struggle? They're not able to connect the dots. They may have heard something about God that really bothers them. For instance, you can, uh, I've talked to people and they're really upset with God because in the Old Testament, he would kill people. Right? And they couldn't, they can't figure out why God would kill people. If, if, you know, if you tell me that God loves me and yet in the Old Testament he kills people, I'm not interested in serving him. So that's a problem. You're not able to connect the dots. Right? Or I've heard people say, well, why did God have to send the flood? Why did he send the flood? Because to them it seemed like, you know, God is just sitting up on his throne. And if he gets real, real ticked off. You know, then he's going to just whack you, right? He can't wait to flood it again. He said, well, you know, he can't do it anymore because he made a promise. He can't flood it again. But he just wish he never made that promise because he still, he still wants to, you know, whack people across the face or just kill them off. But the truth of the matter is, if you understand God, do you know at the flood, that was an act of mercy, it was an act of mercy. But if you're not able to connect the dots, you would see it as an act of severe punishment and severe judgment. When the truth of the matter is, it was an act of mercy to save the human race. And he waited as long as he could. And it wasn't until, you know, there was only one family left, Noah, that he said, okay, now we're going to have to do this. Amen. That's really who God is. He loves the human race. He loves the human race. And so when there are times that he kills people off or it's seemingly, it seems that way. Some people have a hard time connecting with that, but they don't know the whole story. Now, I'm not going to get into that as into the wise but, and into the house. But if you do just a little bit of research, a little bit of research will get you to understand why God did what he did. And it will help you connect the dots. Amen. So I'm just thinking, you know, we were sitting, England and I were sitting once, one time with a couple, Jeff and Beth Jones. They've written some really good books on getting a grip on the, on, on the basics. And we were talking about uh, churches and teaching and those type of things. And I don't, I, can, I don't remember how we got on this, but he took a napkin and he took a pen and he put a whole bunch of dots on that napkin and he showed it to me. He said, what do you see? I said, I don't, I don't see nothing. <laughs> I don't see nothing. I just see a bunch of dots. He said, well, that's what many people see. They just see a bunch of disconnected dots. And once you put some numbers on it, for instance, yeah. once you put some numbers on it, that's what we do with kids, right? Yeah. They learn to count and they learn how to draw that way. I'm getting there. But, <laughs> but um, you know, that's what you do. You, you help people connect the dots. <laughs> so that's why I believe church services are so important. That's why Bible school and Bible studies are so important. It'll help you connect the dots. So that you can say, okay, this leads to this. This leads to nowhere. But if you connect it here, then you'll, after a while, you'll see the picture how God came up with this plan that we call the plan of salvation or the plan of redemption. Can you say amen? All right. But then he said, 
Uh, he who received the seed into stony places, the same is he who hears the word. And Ananda means immediately with joy receives it. Did you know you could hear the word and, you know, you get happy about it. But if you don't have any root in yourself, you know, it's just a little while and then you just let it go, let it slip. He said, yet he has no root in himself, but doors on or endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, now notice this, because of the word. Isn't that interesting? Persecution and tribulation do not come to you to make you a better person. Did you know that? Persecution and tribulation, the storms of life, you know, all the troubles and the trials that you go to are not meant to make a better person out of you. Now, you can make decisions in that time that will help you to become a better person. But when a trial or a test or when an opportunity to give up comes to you, it's not meant to make a better person out of you. It's meant for you to rob you of the word. Amen. Because the devil knows if I can get the word in seed stage, it's a whole lot easier than bringing down a big old tree. Right? That's why, you know, when you leave the door, that's when the devil comes. Right? And he tries to, you know, sneak up on you. He tries to get you to become offended. He tries, you know, he tries that for, for you to become uprooted or upset about, triggered about something. Because the minute that you are, you've lost the word. Amen. And when you lose the word, then he's got you beat. Does that make sense to you? All right. He also who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful, meaning he does not get the results that he was looking for. So you want to get rid of the cares. Amen. Especially about your family. Right? Some of you, you're caring, cares about your kids. And it's not your care. Amen. Some of you are caring about other family members. It's, it's not your care. Amen. Whatever you need to do for your child, you can do in prayer. Amen. Whatever you need to do for your child, you can do in prayer. I'm just thinking about the Canaanite woman, right, who had a demon-possessed daughter. You know what she did? She left the daughter in order to be with Jesus, knowing that her or yeah, her proximity to Jesus would be more important than her proximity to her problem child. But that's not natural, right? Because naturally speaking, you want to stick around the people with the problem, especially the child with the problem. You know why? Because you think in your mind that as long as I'm close enough, I'm in control of, of the situation. And the truth of the matter is you're not. Sometimes you're a hindrance. Sometimes you're a big hindrance. So what did she do? She left her child. 
Now, I don't know what she did with, with the child. Uh, maybe she got someone to come over. We don't know that. But she left the child in order to be with Jesus. And she pleaded with Jesus. She pleaded her case with Jesus. Now, you know the story. It took her a little while f- for her to finally get there. She, was, she had to get in faith. She was whining and crying and carrying on. But Jesus was willing to work with her. And he was able to get out of her what he needed. He needed her faith. Right? And he got to the point that, or she got to the point that she finally said, okay, Jesus, you called me a dog. You know, I'll be a dog if you want me to. But if I'm a dog, right? I'm an outsider. I understand. I'm not one of the Jewish people. I'm a dog. I'm on the outside. But if I'm a dog, at least I should have Access to the crumbs underneath the table. I understand I'm not supposed to sit at the table. But as a dog, I have access underneath the table where the crumbs are. And all I need from you, Jesus, is one little crumb to get my little daughter healed. And then Jesus said, now the King James says, oh, woman, great is thy faith. I think Jesus must have gone like, "Woo, woman, <laughs> great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that moment on. Amen. Amen. So what you need in your kids can be done by you praying, by you being in faith for your children. Rather than trying to fix it all, just put it in the Lord's hand. When it's in the Lord's hand, it's no longer in your hand. From that moment on, you could care less. Amen. I know of a preacher, if I would mention his name, everybody would know him. You know, he was not always born again, but he had a praying mama. But she prayed for him day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year after year. And she's praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for her child to be healed. Finally, she said, okay, Lord, I have prayed for him long enough. If he's going to hell, it's your fault. (laughs) The next day, he was born again. The next day, he was born again. You know why? Because she gave, she gave her child. She gave up the care of her child to the Lord. You know, he's, I, I can't do anything anymore. I've done everything I know to do. I've prayed for years. Now it's your problem. Now it's your problem. Some of you, you've been carrying some of those cares for years. And now it's time for you to let go. Amen. Let go. Let, meaning you let go of the care. Praise the Lord. Amen. Last but not least, this is us, right? But he who received seed into the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Praise the Lord. I believe that's us. Amen. Amen. You, have to make, you have to make a quality decision to be that person. I'm going to ask you to stand up.